Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good to see everybody here this morning. Good to know that the coronavirus didn't keep you at home, right? Can we joke about that or is that not okay? Nah? Okay. I know, it's, I know there's a bit of an issue. Look, air hugs and air high fives, all right? Don't be, don't be offended if someone doesn't shake your hand this morning, amen? Okay, I know it's not, I know, I know there's some serious stuff going on, but we can make light of it a little bit. Can I just share with you really quickly something beautiful about the Roman church? Um, we're actually going through the book of Romans, and the Roman church started off as uh, just a small group of churches that were meeting in homes, and this is who the Apostle Paul was writing to, but over the years, um, Rome became very um, violent and vicious towards Christians, um, and they started to uh, persecute them heavily. And there's stories throughout, uh, throughout Rome of Christians um, being killed and martyred for their faith in horrific ways, very horrific ways. There's even stories of them being fed to lions. Um, and the Emperor Nero was very, um, the, emperor, the Emperor Nero um, hated Christianity. Um, but what was really interesting is that Rome, the way that Rome was built, Rome was a city center. Um, and actually, there were several city centers that were modeled after Rome. And with these new city centers, um, the spread of disease would actually impact them at a greater rate. And so what happened uh, during certain times in um, the life cycle of Rome, uh, cities would come into contact with plague, with sickness, and with famine. And um, in these plagues and these sicknesses, people would begin to die and, um, and pandemics, if you will, uh, would begin to overcome the cities. Um, and from that, Rome's terrible lack of compassion could be seen on the streets. What do I mean by that? Um, those that were vulnerable, the elderly, um, those um, who would contact, contract viruses, these plagues, and sickness, they would actually be abandoned by their own families. And uh, in fact, the entire city in, on, the pay, on, the, on the pathway, you would see dead bodies and people suffering because uh, the viruses were spreading so quickly and because there were no real ways to, um, there were real no strategies um, to help these people. They were abandoned and left to die or to die. Bodies would pile up. In fact, that would make, that would make the virus in the place actually um, uh, uh, intensify because there was no cleanup. And so um, the early, Christi- early Christianity was credited, the spread of early Christianity was credited because um, they, would, they would write, and be amazed about how Christians would not abandon their sick, but how Christians will go out and minister to uh, to those that have been abandoned and left on the side of the road. And with, without regard for their own lives, the gospel of Jesus Christ so empowered and invigorated the Christians that they were called to care for others, even if it meant putting their life in danger. In our current situation, I'm not saying, hey, everybody, let's get up and go out. What I am saying is, um, in our current situation, it does put things into perspective and what it truly means to be a follower of Christ and what it truly means to love your neighbor in spite of danger for yourselves. And so um, with that being said, I was just kind of dwelling upon that all this week as we ourselves uh, throughout the world go through what we're going through right now with uh, what, um, with what they're calling a pandemic. And, um, and so what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a moment just to pray. I'd like to pray for our cities, our neighborhoods. I'd like to pray for just uh, the world and what God is doing. Just remember, there's no need to panic. He's in control. God's not up in heaven thinking, man, what am I going to do about this? I didn't plan for this. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? And so if he's in control and he's sovereign, then we should rest in that sovereignty. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be wise. Amen. And so I believe in wisdom. And, and, um, and we will, as a church, continue to monitor the situation as well. And we will continue to work every Sunday to make sure we keep 
you informed going forward. Um, but I just like to take a moment. Can we pray? And maybe even there's hearts in here today that maybe you feel a little anxious. Maybe you're worrying. Maybe you have some nerves, nervousness or some fears. We'll pray for you as well um, that God would have his way. So Heavenly Father, um, we, humanity is so frail. Sometimes we can think we're immortal and then things could happen that remind us of our mortality. Lord, you are in control. You hold all things together. And so, Lord, we ask that you would just have mercy. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds. If there's anyone in this room just anxious or worried or in fear or doubt, Lord, that they would lean on you and your sovereignty and they would, they would feel the reality of the truth that you are sovereign and you are in control. So, Lord, we pray for our cities. We pray, Lord, not just for the Bay Area, but our cities around the nation and around the world, um, Lord, that are dealing with, um, Lord, this fear and this scare. Lord, we also recognize, Lord, there are other fears and scares that are actually much worse than this. But, for, but uh, because of the narrative that's out there, Lord, we are just focusing on this. So I just pray in this, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom. You would give us strength. Help us to be people that are not a fear, afraid of anything, but the fear of the Lord would consume us. And Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing at Inspire, what you're doing in the Bay Area and around this world, Lord. And um, we just ask, Lord God, that there would be breakthrough and uh, that you would and your wisdom would prevail, Lord. And we thank you for uh, what you're going to do even today through your word, Lord. And we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. If you have your Bibles, you could open up to Romans chapter 8. And we're actually going to read verse 17 and 18. We'll pause just to reflect on what verse 17 and 18 is saying, and then we'll continue to read um, from verse 18 all the way to verse 33. I'm sorry, verse 30. So Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And this is actually, verse 17 was the finishing verse of last week's message. If you'd like to go back and check that out, you can check out um, on podcasts, or you can go to inspiredchurches.com, and you can find all of our messages in this Roman series. But we're going to read verse 17 and 18 together, and then we're going to pause. And so if you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and read, and we'll have it for you up here on the board as well. Scripture reads like this. And if children, and what Paul is saying right there is if you're a child of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Isn't that beautiful? We, if you are a child of God, everything that belongs to Christ also belongs to you and I. We are fellow heirs with Christ. Here we go. Provided we, the S word, suffer with him in order that we may also be, and there's a word, glorified. And glorify, remember, we have sanctification, justification, and glorification. Glorification refers to this future state that has not yet come. And so, uh, again, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified. For I consider, and this is Paul writing, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Amen? Come on, somebody needs to hear that. Paul is writing to you, Christian, and saying that the suffering that you are experiencing in this present moment pales in comparison with the future glory that will be revealed to us. Let me just say this. If you are a child of God, if you've placed your faith in Christ... As God's children, you, we are both co-heirs, but also co-sufferers with Christ. Now, unfortunately, sometimes the church, even us individually, in an effort to preach comfort, we can only, sometimes we only give half-truths. But I want you to hear me out. 
if Christ suffered, <coughs> excuse me, if Christ suffered on his journey of submission to the Father, then you will suffer on your journey in submission to Christ. You hear me? Let's say that again. If Christ suffered on his journey of submission to the Father, then we will suffer on our journey in submission to Christ. But take heart. If we suffer now, we will be glorified with him later. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I really want you to see this. Child of God, settle this in your heart. The road to glory is paved in the path of suffering. I'm going to take some water. Don't be afraid, though. <laughs> Promise you I'm okay. Settle this in your heart. The road to glory is paved on the path of suffering. Let's pray. Jesus, again, we come before you. We thank you. We love you. We ask that you would just continue to be with us as we work through a really difficult passage. But also, we realize that in this difficult passage, there is so much hope, so much joy. And so I pray that we would see that for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I got it. I have Ricola up here. I have some water. This is the wrong Sunday to cough. Nobody's going to shake my hand afterwards. I totally get that. I totally understand. God bless you anywhere. All right. So let me ask you a question. What kind of person can make <coughs> such an audacious claim? What kind of person? Who is Paul? Has somebody ever tried to give you advice, but they've never been through it? Right? Singles. Have you ever went to a singles conference and there's a married person giving you like, right? Just hold on. Just wait. It's going to be okay. And you're like, well, that's easy for you to say. You go home to your, your, your wife or your, your husband every night. Nobody's ever been there. Okay. I think I have. But I'm always like, hey, get somebody who's been through it. You know, somebody, has somebody ever tried to console you and tell you, you know, to get over it? Or maybe not in that type of term. But somebody ever tried to console you and all you can think of in your mind is like, you have no idea. <coughs> you have no idea what I'm going through. And so who's Paul? Who is the Apostle Paul to be able to say that present suffering pales in comparison to future glory? What kind of person is the Apostle Paul? What, what has he gone through in his life? And so what I want to do to you is I want to read for a moment. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. I'd love for you to see this. Chapter 11, 23 through 33. But I kind of want to share with you who is writing this. Who, who can make such an audacious claim that what God is bringing in the future is better than whatever you're suffering with right now? And so I want you to read 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 33. And I want you to listen to how Paul details his life. It reads like this. He says, far greater labors, far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. This is Paul writing about his life. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was drift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. See how deep that was? Paul's right to make such an audacious claim comes by way of his own sufferings for Christ. 
Oh, and by the way, that list that Paul writes, you notice that all those sufferings are for Christ. Therefore, in other words, like he didn't have to do those, like he didn't have to suffer, but he placed himself in those situations and his sufferings were for Christ. Paul can make an audacious claim that would suggest that the present suffering is pales in comparison to future glory. Paul says, well, I've considered it. I've thought it out. I've experienced it. I place the weight of my pain and the weight of my future glory on scales. And guess what? They're not even close. Now, I got to be honest. Paul convicts me personally because most of the time my longing listen for this world gets in the way of my longing for God most of the time my desire for comfort tempts me to make every effort to avoid suffering but suffering in the hands of God is a tool suffering in the hands of God is a tool what does that tool do let me explain it's a tool that extracts from me the love of this world and gives to me a longing for heaven. Hear me out. Everyone suffers. Everyone suffers. But when we suffer with Christ, that suffering releases a groaning. And that groaning is a longing and looking towards something greater. Everyone suffers. But when we suffer with Christ, that suffering releases a groaning. And that groaning is a longing and looking toward something greater amen so let's jump back into the text romans 8 now i'm going to read 18 through 30 all together and then we will fly paul says this for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of god For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been, here's our word, groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit. There it is again. Groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoptions as sons, the redemption of our body. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. Amen. Come on, just stop and say amen for that. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. And here it is. With what? Groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, in three key places, the word groaning is used. Stenazzo is the Greek word. Or if you want to say more Latino, stenazzo. Or Italian, stenazzo. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Just kind of sound right there, yeah? Huh? I had to throw that up there. Stenazzo. But the Greek word for the word groaning. <laughs> Sorry, Italians. Groaning can be, listen, groaning can be an expression of grief or desire. It can be loud or inaudible. Now, in this passage, Paul identifies three different sources that are all groaning as a result of suffering. In verse 22, Paul tells us creation is groaning. In verse 23, Paul tells us 
believers are growing. And in verse 26, Paul tells us the Holy Spirit of God is groaning. So let's talk about creation. Paul reveals to us that all of creation, did you know all of creation is making an inaudible sound? All of creation is responding to suffering. You see, in this context, creation is not mankind, but it's both animate and inanimate created things. Things like plants and animals are groaning. As well as mountains, rivers, valleys, plains, stars, the moon, the sun. Paul says all of creation is groaning. And you know what Paul describes this groaning creation as eagerly waiting for something specifically to take place. So the question becomes, why is creation groaning and what is creation longing for? Well, creation is groaning because creation is suffering. And creation is suffering because of sin. When God created all things, you know what he did? He declared it to be good. If you go back to Genesis, every time he created, he would step back and he would declare over it, it is good. It is good. It was an environment that he had created, God had created specifically for the crown jewel of his creation, mankind. You and I were created last, not first. You want to know why? Because if he put us on day one, we'd have nothing to sustain us. We'd have no air, no water. No. And so what did he do? He created us last. What did it show us? That everything he created before was to perfectly sustain. It was a perfectly suitable environment that would sustain you and I. So when God created all things, he declared them good. And he created an environment perfectly suitable for human flourishing. But when man fell in Genesis 3, when Adam disobeyed, God cursed the creation by placing it, what Paul calls, under the bondage of corruption. Now, because of sin, death, disease, natural disasters, decay become a regular part of life because of sin since creation was made for man humanity and nature guess what they were inseparably linked together as a result the key to nature's deliverance is the restoration of man's glory so paul describes all of nature and he uses the word eagerly waiting the greek there is actually like a child standing on their tiptoes with their neck stretched out. You ever went on a long trip? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we almost there? Paul describes creation as groaning, eagerly waiting, anticipating its deliverance. Like a child standing on their tippy toes with their necks stretched out. Creation is longing for its suffering to end. I want you to listen to what Martin Lloyd-Jones said about this. He says this. I wonder whether the phenomenon of spring supplies us with a part answer. Every year, as it were. It makes an effort to renew itself. Nature, every year, as it were, makes an effort to renew itself, to produce something permanent. It has come out of the death and darkness of all that is true of the winter. In the spring, it seems to be trying to produce a perfect creation, to be going through some kind of birth pangs year by year. But unfortunately, it does not succeed. For spring leads only to summer, whereas summer leads to autumn and autumn to winter. Listen to what he writes. Poor old nature tries every year to defeat the vanity, the principle of death and decay, and disintegration that is in it. But it cannot do so. It fails every time. It still goes on trying as if it feels things should be different and better, but it never succeeds. So it goes on groaning and travailing in pain together until now. It has been doing so for a very long time, but nature still repeats the efforts annually. 
Paul says creation is not the only one who's groaning. But Paul says believers, followers of Jesus Christ, the church is groaning too. And the reason why I focus on that, because Paul doesn't say mankind as a whole is groaning. But he only says those who've been filled with the Holy Spirit can groan in this way. Only Christians can groan in this way. Now let me explain. This kind of groaning groaning is not just a response to suffering. You see, everyone can groan, right? Everyone can groan. In fact, that might be called grumbling, right? Everyone can respond to suffering. But a Christian uniquely not only groans in response to suffering, but that groaning becomes a longing for a future glorification that is only coming to those who trust in Jesus. In fact, if you're not a follower of Christ, you don't have that longing, and that's not to put you down. It's just that you don't believe that future glory is coming. But for those of us that have placed our faith and trust in the hope of Christ, we put our faith and trust in the hope of future glory. And so when suffering comes, we're not only groaning because suffering's here, but that groan is pushing us and producing inside of us a longing for something better that is promised to come. And just a simple note, Christians experience two types of suffering. Number one is the suffering that comes from sin. And number two is the suffering that comes from following Jesus. So we groan. And we groan because of the effects of sin, don't we? Physical effects of sin like pain, sickness, and death. Maybe there's some of you in here that are dealing with an ongoing issue that may never go away. Maybe we have friends or family members. Maybe we've experienced the loss of a loved one. And so we groan. We groan because of physical effects of sin. But we also groan because of mental effects like anguish, anxiety, fear, depression. You know, I've been praying, and my hope is that Inspired Church would would become a church that would be open to those that are battling with anxiety and depression. Mental health is so important. In fact, I know for a fact that there are many of you sitting in this room here today that battle and deal with it. I'm going to let you know it's, it's okay. And there's something beautiful that you bring to the body of Christ. But that's an effect that we deal with. We also groan because our sinful flesh is so frustrating. Amen? Isn't it frustrating? The struggle is real. We have fallen bodies. We live in a fallen world. We groan because of what sin has done in us. We groan because of what sin has done to us. We've been abused. Unexplicably, there are people sitting in this room. You have faced traumatizing events in your childhood. You've been abused. Sin has done something to you. You've been victimized. And we groan and we wonder why. And there's pain and stress and ongoing anxiety as a result of something that you didn't even do. And you groan. But you know what else? We also groan when we realize that we're not just victims of sin, but we're perpetrators of sin too. We're not, we haven't just been victimized, but we have victimized others. So we groan. But the good news is that our groaning is not just a response to suffering. It's a longing for glory. You see, only a believer can groan with hope. Why? Because we believe that what God has begun, listen, in us, will one day be perfected around us. This is so important. I just want to encourage you guys in here today. If you're a believer, you groan in hope because we believe what God is doing in us will one day complete outside of us and around us. Let me explain this. Right now, if you're a follower of Christ, the Spirit of God is dwelling inside of you. Amen? And we've been going over that the last two weeks. What are the marks that I am following Christ? Well, a follower of Christ is filled with the Spirit of God. Well, how do I know I'm filled with the Spirit of God? Because the Spirit of God is doing some things inside of me. Amen? And if you were here last week, you were able to look at some of the things and, and able to look at your lives and go, do I feel the Spirit doing that in me? 
I love it. Right now, the Spirit of God is living in you. What is he doing? He's producing conviction, remember? Right? You are a child of God if you experience sorrow and grief over sin. The Holy Spirit is doing, he's working conviction. How about illumination? You are a child of God if you're opening up the scriptures and he's speaking to you through his word. You're a child of God if he's sanctifying you, mortifying your sin. If you see that you're walking further and further away, the sin that used to hold you down. Now, you, the sin that used to dominate you, you now dominate it. Not because of your power, because the resurrection power that lives inside of you. Anybody feeling that? Feel like the Lord's been working? Yeah, you're frustrated. There's still some remaining sin in you, but you know God's been working in you. The scriptures, you know you have a passion for the word of God. You know that you've been walking through, you've been fighting. I just want to let you, even if there's a fight there, there's a sign that the spirit of God is in you. Sure, maybe you've been falling, but you're fighting. You're not giving in. You're not giving up. These are signs that the Holy Spirit is living in you. Now listen, and this is so important. The Holy Spirit's living in you and he's pushing inside of you a desire for God, a love, a familial love that cries out, Abba, Dad, Father, your intimacy, your love for the church is growing. Your love for God's people is growing, but most importantly, your love for God himself is growing. You're going deeper, more intimately in love with God. This is, these are all signs and marks that the Holy Spirit is moving in you. And this is going to be so important. Even though your body might be sick right now, your body might be dying, decaying, aching, your spirit is being renewed day by day. You guys see that? You see the contrast? You might be decaying. You, you might be suffering. Your body, this shell that you live in might be breaking down. And guess what? All of you are. We all are. We're not getting any younger. And so you might be sitting next to somebody that has something diagnosed and you might be feeling healthy, but you're breaking down too. I know that's morbid. But even though you, you are in sin, an environment of sin, you have remaining sin and creation is groaning, your body is decaying, disease, you're seeing death around you, you are being made alive and renewed day by day by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. There are people in wheelchairs that don't move as fast as they used to move no more. In fact, they can barely get here, but they're more alive than some of you that are healthy because inside there's a spirit man that is growing this is so key take heart don't be discouraged amen this is a new creation order this is the new creation order first you ready the spirit makes us alive on the inside and then he'll make us new on the outside y'all see that that's the new creation order. You see, man likes to go from the outside in, but God goes inside out. He says, look, one day your bodies will be new. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. One day sickness, disease, decay, disasters will all be eradicated. And you will live in perfection. But what I'm doing, before I get to the outside, I am working on the inside. And so what's taking place in you is a witness and an evidence that one day something will be done outside of you. In our world, don't we get it all upside down and backwards? Because most of us are more concerned about what we look like. I wonder what it looked like if God just turned us inside out. And we all walked around and our physical appearance was what our inner man looked like. Woo! No likes on the gram. But as Christians, we represent an upside-down kingdom, don't we? And so what brings us anxiety and what brings us concern is not the same as the world. But a lot of times in this fickle world, aren't we tempted to judge our success based on what we look like? And so we invest so much into this shell and invest very little into the inner man. But the new creation order is this. I'm doing a work in you. 
And that work in you is evidence that one day I'll complete outside of you. Come on, if you're ugly like me, you're just praising the Lord right now. Just kidding. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> There's no insecurity in the kingdom, amen? All right. I love this. One day, here's the promise, mortality will put on immortality. And corruption will put on incorruptibility. How do I know? How do I know? How can I be sure? Because what the Holy Spirit is doing in me is evidence. What the Holy Spirit is doing in me now is proof that more is coming. What he's doing inside of you is just a taste of glory. It's just a taste. Finally, creation is groaning. Believers are groaning. And then Paul says something interesting. He says, the Holy Spirit is groaning. Spirit of God is groaning. I want you to watch this. And I love this. Verse 26. It says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Did you know that Jesus right now is in heaven sitting at the right-hand side of the Father making intercession for you? Doesn't that feel good to know that you have an advocator in Christ who's in heaven right now sitting at the right-hand side of the Father and just declaring his righteousness over your sinful body? He is just saying, my righteousness, my scars, and my blood is paid for that child. And he intercedes for us. Isn't that beautiful? But did you also know that you not only have an advocate in heaven, but right now there is an advocate inside of you? The Holy Spirit who is praying and interceding and groaning with words too deep, with groaning with a groan that is too deep for words. What a beautiful picture of Jesus in heaven and the Holy Spirit inside of us interceding on our behalf. I'm going to invite the team to quickly come forward. I have to ask you a question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you just couldn't pray? Has there ever been a time in your life where you just couldn't pray? I want you to think about that for a moment. Have you ever been so unsettled? Have you ever been so unsettled? Have you ever been so full of fear it rendered you incapable of prayer? Well, somebody talk to me in here. Have you ever been so concerned? How about this? Have, have something ever hurt you so deeply? Has news ever come to you so devastating? Fears, worries, doubts become so loud that you have been completely paralyzed. And it has rendered your spirituality ineffective. Have you ever been, maybe it was a moment, maybe it's been a season, maybe some of you said, you know what, this, it wasn't just a week, but I received such paralyzing news, such devastating news, such fear. I wasn't just paralyzed for a week, Phil. I wasn't just paralyzed for a day, but it was years where I felt like I couldn't even pray. Can I just say it's in those moments, in those seasons, in those times when you had no idea how in the world you kept your faith or you began to realize you weren't even keeping it. In fact, if it was up to you, you lost it. It was gone. You weren't even sure. You couldn't pray. You couldn't even look, lift up your eyes to the heavens. It was in those moments, and it wasn't a moment. It was a day, it was a week, it was a month. It was a year you started to question yourself. What's wrong with me? Am I even a follower of Christ? Come on, is somebody in here, are you going to be real with me for a moment? It's in those seasons, in those times, you had no idea. How am I still here? How am I keeping the faith? And the Holy Spirit is saying, well, I got to tell you, it's not you that was keeping your faith. Holy Spirit of God interceding on your behalf 
night and day. 24-hour prayer service, and you're not even involved in it. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Come on, you feel that interceding on your behalf night and day with groans and cries too deep for your limited vocabulary to describe or even understand? I just wrote this down. Somebody needs to hear this and rejoice. If you're in the darkness, you need to hear this and rejoice. This needs to be food for your soul. This needs to bring comfort to your heart. You had no idea what was keeping you. You had no clue how in the world you were even enduring. Right now, you don't even know. But it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, what a help we have in our present time of suffering. <laughs> now, I know some of you don't get this. You haven't experienced this maximized amount of suffering. But I know some of you, you're, you're understanding this. You're believing, you're feeling this. Oh, what a friend we have in Christ. Oh, what a friend we also have in the Holy Spirit who intercedes and groans. Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't abandon you when you can't pray. <laughs> You don't even know how to pray is what Paul's saying. There are moments and times you didn't know how to pray, you didn't want to pray, and God didn't say, you know what, I'm out. You don't want nothing to do with me. You know what, you don't want to pray, you don't want to spend time, but God compassionately looked down at what you were experiencing, your suffering, your devastation, and he said, look, I'm coming in, I'm praying for you. I'm groaning for you. And you know what he's praying? The Holy Spirit prays the best prayers because he prays the will of God. Which also tells me that sometimes the will of God might be a, a testing and a trial taking place. And so you might even be throwing up prayers like, take this from me. And the Holy Spirit is groaning, no, this, I'm taking you deeper. I'm taking you deeper. Some of you might be ready to get out of this. The Holy Spirit say, no, I'm removing the love of this world out of you. I'm, pr I'm putting something deep inside of you. And, but take this away from me, God. Can I just escape this? Can I just walk away from this? Paul himself prayed, take this thing from me. And the, and the Lord told Paul, Jesus said, no. Because in, my, in your weakness, I'm made strong. I'm made strong. Now remember, we're going to worship in a moment. Thanks for being patient, team. I remember... When my wife went into labor with my son, I remember I insisted on being present. The doctor was like, you know, are you going to be outside? Are you going to be inside? I was like, no, I'm all in for this. Um, I wanted to witness the birth of my son. I also wanted to get like a small idea, right, of everything that a woman has to go through in labor. God bless you. And, you know, I remember the pain in my wife's eyes as the contractions hit. Remember, you're, you know, you're, oh, here comes one, you know, like you, you can see it coming. You know, poor things in the bed, like, really, do you need to tell me? You know, it's like, hey, it's coming. It's going, it's going to be a big one, you know. You know, the husbands were just, you know. And my wife, she doesn't like, she's not a, like a, ah, she's like a silent groaner, like the Holy Spirit. You know, she's just like, ah. But I'd see, I had seen just a pain and a groaning. I know. I love you, babe. But I remember her groans of agony, right? Her groans of agony as the time of delivery gets closer. And some of you might be thinking, why are you telling us this story? Um, but here's what I remember more than that. More than the groans of agony was the absolute joy, the moment she held my son. Paul says something in verse 22. He says, creation has been groaning together. This is in childbearing pains pains of childbirth until now you know what that tells me i'm so thankful that he used that illustration so thankful the holy spirit through paul used that illustration you know the difference between a believer and an unbeliever in this world is the difference between death pains and childbearing pains you see if you haven't put your faith in jesus this world's suffering will end in death there's no hope, there's no purpose, there's no transcendent thing to look through beyond the pain. You're, you're just nearsighted and the pain is there. And all you have to look forward to is death. But if you place your faith in Christ Jesus, there is a purpose to your pain. You see, no mom ever celebrated pain in pregnancy. Like, yes, can I have another one? That was great, it's the best part as if pain was the crown jewel of labor what we celebrated what we took joy in was not the labor but the baby 
It was not about pain. It was not about the agony. It was about the push for something greater, for a new life, new creation. In the hands of God, pain perfects and suffering sanctifies. In the hands of God, pain perfects, suffering sanctifies. And here's our promise, ready? The groanings of labor will soon be replaced by the joy and ecstasy of birth. This is our hope in Jesus. The groans, the agonies, the pains of labor will soon be a distant memory. In fact, it may not even be a memory anymore as we hold the baby of a new creation. Heaven and earth, new creation, new body. But first, everything that God is doing now is internally inside. Amen? I just want to pray, and then I want to share, take a moment just to share with you some of the questions that we'll be discussing this week at our Connects. But I want to pray before that. There's just three things that kind of are dropped in my spirit. Number one is confidence in glory. Um, I think if you're like me, you probably wrestle with glorification, this future, this future transition, this future change, this future shift where God will make all things new. And so you're serving God here and now, but whenever you experience any pain or suffering, you get anxiety and stress. And, and instead of being comforted and knowing that God is doing something in the future, you kind of feel doubt. So I just want to pray if there's anyone just doubts the new creation. You doubt that on the other side that God is making you new and Jesus is making you new and that he is perfecting us and there's just a doubt in your glorification. I also want to pray for those that are suffering. I want to pray for your sanctification in suffering right now. If you are in pain uh, because of sin or if you're in pain because of persecution, uh, if you're experiencing somebody close to you or even you yourself um, I just want to pray that you would be able to look past and that the Holy Spirit would be able to silence the anxiety and the fear and that you would be able to just see that he's producing something in you and finally I want to pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus and so you groan but you groan only as a result of sin but there's no longing because you don't have any hope beyond that so I want to pray if there's somebody in here that doesn't feel hope you have hope in Christ. Now let me just explain that. If that's you, what does that look like? Well, we're told to repent and believe the gospel. What does it mean to repent and believe the gospel? What, what is this all about? What is this salvation? How do I know that I am saved? How do I know that I'm delivered? Well, with the understanding, it started at the beginning. God created you. He created us. He created creation for us. But we left him. We turned away from him. We disobeyed him. We became haters of his word. We became rebellious to him. We chose our own path. We exchanged him. Paul tells us we stopped worshiping him and we started worshiping other things. We put ourselves first. We put other people first. We placed God off of the throne and we put something else there. And as a result, sin corrupts. Sin corrupts. And so there was no way that we could save ourselves. But God made a way the redemption of Jesus Christ he himself stepped down he put on flesh he put on flesh and then he suffered with us he suffered shame he suffered rejection he suffered pain and torture and torment yet he knew no sin he lived a perfectly righteous life submitted to the father and you know what he is this for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross how did Jesus endure all of that because he knew glory he would be glorified resurrection and so if you want that confidence if you want to know that even now God is working something out of it then, then, then the, the question is will you put your faith your trust in Jesus Christ and will you believe today that on the cross two things happened: Christ took the wrath upon himself that you deserve because you're a lawbreaker and he took that and put it on him and then he gave you his perfection he gave you his righteousness so that if you would put your trust in him, God would look down and not see your sin, but he would see the beautiful blood of Jesus Christ. You're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone. And so Heavenly Father, I just come before you, if there's anyone in this room that is not a believer, is anyone in this room that feels far from you, 
I just pray, Lord God, that they would turn from putting trust in other things. Come on, will you do that? What am I trusting when I turn from putting trust in a man and a woman? Will I turn from putting trust in myself and my sin, my idolatry, my career? Will I turn from my sin and will I look to Jesus as the, the ultimate source of fulfillment? Will I look to Jesus as the ultimate source of meaning and satisfaction? Come on, just turn, just turn. What idols are in my heart? I cast these idols down and I put Jesus to the center. I trust Him. I trust Him. None of these other things will satisfy, even though they feel they give me some satisfaction for the moment, but at the end they leave me high and dry and hopeless. But only Jesus. Only Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray right now that if there's anyone who doesn't know Christ, that they will put their faith in Christ alone. Nothing else. Not even their own works. They can't save themselves. We are all sinners in need of Christ. And Lord, I just pray for those that are suffering through pain, mental pain, physical pain, persecution, rejection, pain because of sin, pain because of following Christ, suffering. Lord, I pray encouragement. Holy Spirit, will you pray? We don't even know what to pray. Pray for anyone sitting in this room who says, I don't even know where to start. God, I don't even know where, I've been trying to untie this knot. Where did it begin? And I, maybe I go back to childhood. I, but the Holy Spirit knows, and the Holy Spirit is groaning. And so will you just even lean in on what the Comforter is doing? Lord, I thank you because you're sanctifying this church, not just individuals, but this entire church, inspired church, is being sanctified. Will you continue to move us towards perfection as we hold on and trust you? We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. I just want to take a moment just to talk about just a couple of questions. We'll dismiss, but just a couple of questions we're going to talk about this week at Connects. But the first question is, do you groan for Jesus' return? If yes, what has helped you develop this groaning? If no, what do you think is getting in that in your way? The second was, talk about a time you experienced deep suffering in your life and what it has meant to you in your walk with Jesus. Was it because of sin or the result of following Christ? Did it lead you closer to Jesus or further from him? And finally, number three, how does the picture of the Holy Spirit groaning and interceding on your behalf give you confidence when you're struggling? Can you describe a time in your walk where you felt he was carrying you in prayer? It's going to be a beautiful, deep connect. I'd love to see you all there. So, Father, we love you. We bless you. Will you be with us? Will you bring us back for your honor, your glory? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Have a beautiful Sunday. Enjoy lunch. Stay healthy. Wash your hands, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspired Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspired Churches through Instagram at Inspired Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Inspired Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspiredchurches.com for more information.